I don't actually know what happened there. Just be honest, that's what will help. But think about someone else who would be as freaked out as you. That's just think of it, you're telling them. Yeah. So what, what is your first name? Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. So can, is it on? Yeah. Okay, so Chelsea. Tell the people what happened to you five years ago. I had a car accident. Someone went straight into the back of me. Yeah. And damaged most parts of my back and my neck. And now I don't feel... So we prayed for you. Yeah, prayed for me. And now, can you find any pain? Not at the minute. That's no good. <laughs> I don't get stuck when I turn. And you used to get stuck when yeah. you turn. No more pain. Yeah. That's great. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. Excellent. Feel light? Yeah. Those stories are to encourage us and to build up our courage, our faith as we go out um, and we look forward to HOTS on the 29th of March. So I would love you to turn to the person next to you and ask if they've signed up for the HOTS training yet on the 29th of March. Go. Oh, healing on the streets training is HOTS. It's really exciting what God's got planned for Ashford and he's going to use us. I've got a story to share myself as well. So I was helping someone move house uh, last week and was moving boxes from the room to my car and her neighbour came out, was just down in a corridor to see what was going on and we had a conversation with her and it was really interesting because as we were talking I got the sense that God wanted to tell her something. I got a real sense that she needed to hear that she is strong. Kind of thought, what's that about? Okay, kind of stepped out and I said to her, I think that God wants you to know that you are strong. And she became a little bit tearful, said she told herself a little while ago that she was weak and she couldn't do the, she couldn't kind of bring herself or go into the situation that she had coming up the next day, going back to see some family in Bristol. And it was just a privilege as I got to pray with her in that moment. And I got to see her, her face light up as, She'd grown up in the Catholic Church and she said she'd experienced God the Father a little bit before then. But she said she saw a picture of who her father was. She experienced something of who her father was in God. And she could take that with her and that would be her strength and what she could take into the next steps and the things she had to do. And she could be strong as she did that. It was an absolute privilege to see God working in that moment and being able to just speak life and love into her. The series that we're in at the moment is about being part of a family. We've been talking about 
what that family looks like. And when we give our yes to Jesus and become part of that family, how we live together with that, with God as our Father. And Chris and Nick have spoken beautifully over the last few weeks about um, the family kind of behaviour code, how we honour each other, the, <clears throat> the family business, what we should be doing, chasing our dreams, making a difference. And Nick spoke really well last week about how about our inheritance and how we can walk into that because we're in the family. And it's fallen on me this week to talk to you about the family joy, which is something that I believe underpins everything else that we've spoken about already. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Who are you a child of? Who are you a son of or who are you a daughter of? And you might answer that in quite a kind of a physical way, as in, I know who my mum and dad are. Or you might answer that in a way that says, I don't know who my mum and dad are. I don't know who I am a son or a daughter of. I don't know who I'm a child of. I can't identify as that. If you ask me that question in a physical sense, I love talking about my dad. So my, my dad is Clive Tatton. He, I have an awesome relationship with him, and I realise I'm so lucky to have that. I can go to him for conversation I'm secure in the relationship that we have. I can talk to him, bring stuff up with him that I need to talk about. And over my life, I've been able to do that. Sometimes those conversations are difficult and they've resulted in a metaphorical clip around the ear or just to having to, to un unpack and talk about a few things. But he's always there to help me out. He always respects me, he listens to me and he's willing to offer advice. And I so realise that I'm lucky in that situation. And maybe that's a bit rare today. But I do, I love that privilege and the honour that I can spend spending time with my dad. So what's all this got to do about the family joy? But for me, joy is far more than just ecstatic happiness, whooping and hollering, shouting about stuff. It's about the security, the feeling in the gut that you know you're loved the feeling inside who you are, that contentment that comes with that, and that's a joy that sits deep within us. That's what this family joy I'm talking about is this morning. It just sits there on us, in us, and we can trust in it. It's the security that sits in us. And Jesus talks about this joy. He says in the Gospel of John, which is one of the four books about his life, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. The joy that Jesus had is coming from knowing who his dad is. It comes from knowing he's a son and even bigger than that, he has that security and he wants to give that to, to his disciples, to us in full. He wants us to have that same security, that same joy that he had. And he's come for that very reason. His joy is in us. It's not just a thing we experience. It's inside us. The joy of being a son or a daughter and knowing who our dad is. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus was, one of the reasons Jesus was so sure of that was because at his baptism, when he was under the water and he came back up, the heavens opened and a dove came down and rested on him. 
And in that moment, the voice from heaven, the Father said, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. If that's not going to make you feel good about being a son, then I don't know what it is. I kind of imagine Monty Python clouds playing, and then the face of God there going, that's my son. So pleased with that. So pleased with him and who he is. And Jesus knew he wasn't an orphan. He said himself that he will not leave us as orphans. He will come to you. Jesus is acknowledging to a crowd listening to him in that moment that they need a father. They need to be sons and daughters. And there is a way that they can get there, that they can take on that mantle, that they can take that responsibility and step up in that way. And he wasn't talking in that moment to a group of, of people who, who didn't have earthly mothers and fathers. He was talking to a massive group of people with families there, would have been fathers, mothers, children and everything there as well. And he's talking there in a spiritual sense, not an earthly sense. He says, I will not leave you as orphans and I will come to you. I will show you what it means to be a son. To explore this a little bit further, let me take you right back to the beginning. And God would have been hanging out with his angels in the heavens. But there was one angel that rose up and said, I don't need a dad. I can do this on my own. I can make a name for myself. I can take on the responsibility of, of a father myself. I don't need you, God. And so God had to cast him out of heaven, had to send him out of heaven. And in that moment, that's who we know as Satan now. And God had to cast his angels and a third of the angels all out of heaven because they, they weren't happy to accept that God was a father. They wanted to step up. They wanted to take on that mantle themselves and not accept God as father. And then moving on, the angels that are left are there and they, they get to observe something beautiful. So picture, picture now the angels watching over God as he starts creating, starts creating this beautiful world that we live in now. He starts making the, the trees, the the sun, the stars, the moon. He starts bringing, bringing growth, bringing life to things. He creates the water, the rivers, the lakes, light and dark, night and day. And he takes a few days to do that, but he speaks it into life. And imagine the angels looking down as God bends down and starts shaping something in the soil, starts molding, shaping something. He makes something in his own image. And they're looking like, what, what's going on? What's he doing? He's creating a form in his own image. Amidst the beauty of the world, it's there. God's shaping something. In that moment, he, he forms a body that looks like him, that takes on his image, and that's Adam. And then God bends down. I imagine he bends down rather than Adam being standing up at this stage. And he breathes life into Adam. He breathes life, love, hope, peace, joy, all into Adam in that moment. The love of the Father breathed on his new creation. The creation of Adam and mankind was rooted and grounded in the Father's love. And imagine Adam receiving that, taking that. I don't think that God, it's like we might do with our computer where we, we boot it up, go away and make a cup of tea. 
and then come back again and watch the circle updating and things. I think God breathed life into Adam and stood there with anticipation, waiting for Adam to come to life as his chest rose up and down. His, he started filling with blood, pumping through his body. His fingers start moving. He comes to life. And the father's love is the first thing that he experiences. The father's face staring down at him and going, that is so good. He is so good. What I've created is so good. The father's love is the foundation of it all. And we can find our absolute joy in that. We are sons and daughters of a living God who loves us to pieces. I can imagine Adam and Eve hanging out with, with God in the Garden of Eden, having the time of their lives hanging out, Dad and his kids, and it's amazing. And I pictured it a bit like Vic and I's first day out, kind of dating together, and we went and went on the swings and stuff, and had loads of fun. Lovely music in the background. Vic's my wife, by the way, just to clarify that. But, um, but I don't even know if there were swings in the Garden of Eden, but I'm sure they were having fun. They were loving it. It was so good with Dad and his kids. Unfortunately, the good, perfect plan that God had was ruined. As Satan, who'd been cast out of heaven, managed to sneak his way into the garden. And the one who said he didn't need a father then persuaded Adam and Eve of the same thing. He, said, he persuaded them that they didn't need the father either. They could go it alone, that they could make a name for themselves. And he persuaded them to eat the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to that effectively broke the relationship because they started becoming more aware of who they were. It meant that they, they took that step to say, I don't need a father God in this moment either. And in that moment, God has to make a decision. He can let them stay in the garden where their longing, their, their hunger for more would have eaten away at them. And M. James Jordan, whose, whose book Sonship I've been reading recently, he talks about them almost potentially becoming like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, as it would have eaten away at them. They would have despaired, longing for more. So God had to remove them from that situation. And that was the choice he had to make in that moment. I can't even begin to imagine the loss that he felt. He'd been hanging out in the garden, this beautiful creation. The tears, I imagine, must have been rolling down his face. He's having to usher them to the exit. I'm sure they were dragging their heels a bit as they went. But he's crying, his heart's cry, just to be a father to them. And he still wants that now. And I, I can't even begin to imagine what the separation would be like between a, a parent and their child, the loss of a child. Or I was speaking to a good friend of mine uh, this week who was telling me about being an orphan because he didn't know who his parents were. He said he effectively lost the first two and a half to three years of his life because he didn't know what it was like to have a, a mum or dad. He doesn't even know when his birthday is. He can't even begin to know what that feels like. The hurt, the separation, the pain of losing a child or not having that relationship with a father. And even as Christians today, I'm wondering if we if we live with this, this orphan mindset a little bit. So we try and force the issue. We try and create projects, ministries, movements, dare I say even churches, just to make a name for ourselves. 
And we say we don't need a dad, we can do this on our own. We can step out, we can go and do these things without dad. We don't need him. And God's fighting for us, he's trying to reconcile with us. And over the years with God's people, from the moment he cast Adam and Eve, sent Adam and Eve out of the garden, he was trying to reconcile with his people and their, their descendants. As he sent judges, kings, prophets, poets, everyone to try and point back to God the Father. He tried, wants to reunite with us. And he has to send his final act, his son, Jesus. And it's Jesus that came with that security, that knowledge of who he was as a son to point us in the direction of the Father. And it was for the joy that Jesus had inside him that he went to the cross and died. He took all of the stuff that had festered on God's people, all the rubbish, all the crap, all the horrible stuff. And he took that on the cross for us, out of love for us, all to point us to the love of the Father. And you've probably heard me talk about the, the, the temple curtain in this as well. I love the, the, the symbolism of that the, the, the curtain around the Holy of Holies, the place where only one person could go once a year to enter into God's presence. That was torn in two when Jesus died. And I really believe, as I've read about it some more, I did believe that it was about us getting to God. But now I'm starting to think that it's about the Father God getting out. Getting out so he can chase us, so he can come after us, he can be in relationship with us and show us how much we are loved. The cross and Jesus is the ultimate expression of the Father's love for us. That's how much he loved you, each one of you, because he loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you, and he's doing that relentlessly. Jesus prays for his disciples. He says, I've made known to them your name, Father, and I will continue to make it known that the love from which you have loved me may be in them, and I will be in them. Jesus wants to show us what it's like to be full of the joy, full of the security of being a child of God. And do you want to know the beauty of it all? After Jesus has come back from the dead, he's done what he's done. He does exactly what the Father did to Adam at the beginning. He breathes over the disciples. He breathes all of the love, joy, peace, the spirit inside of him that fills him. He breathes that into the disciples and he fills them full of the joy of knowing that he was a son. And that's the same for us today. He wants to breathe that on us today through his Holy Spirit. The very love which the Father has for the Son, where he delights in him, he's pleased by him, he cherishes him, he treasures him. That's inside us too. It's not up here, it's in here. It's not just about knowing that. It's about experiencing it, knowing it, that gut feeling inside. That you are a son or daughter of the living God. And because of that, we can cry, Abba, Father. We can cry, Daddy. We can come to him. All we need to do is breathe that in. Take it in. He's here right now. He wants to show us how much we are loved. And that's the joy we carry as people who are part of God's family. That's the security that we can live in, the comfort we can know as we find out and discover more and more who we are children of. We have free access to that. 
and everything else we've spoken about over the last few weeks is underpinned by that. The dreams we have, the honour we have for each other, the love we show other people is all underpinned by that joy that rests inside of us. You have a Father in heaven who loves you, wants the best for you, and is waiting for you to realise that you need him. He loves you. He loves you so much. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he is relentless. So I can see some of you in the the room like, I don't feel particularly joyful. I don't feel that inside of me. I I don't know what the... The connection is, how do I get that? How do I attain that? And I think the the honest truth for me is one, you need to breathe it in. You need to take it. You need to claim it for yourself. As a son or a daughter, you need to stand up and say, yes, Father, I want to be your son or daughter. I want to be able to come to you. And then spend time with him. Notice him. Chase him. Enjoy him. Enjoying is an active word. It's not something that You sit back and it just happens to you. You have to actively participate in the thing you want to find your joy in. It would be absolutely false of me to say that I enjoy knitting. I've never done any knitting in my life. I've never held a knitting needle. I've never seen anyone knit, really. I can't say I have any enjoyment from it whatsoever because I haven't participated in it. Maybe if I did try it, I'd love it. I don't know. Who knows? But I haven't got that. I haven't participated in it in any way. It's the complete opposite with me and rugby, though. I absolutely love rugby. I enjoyed playing rugby and enjoy watching it now. And I find joy in engaging with that. But it's that participation thing. It's that engagement thing. And that triggers the joy inside us. It's the same with God. If we want to nurture the joy of God inside of us, it's about participating in him. It's about looking for him. It's about seeing him in the chaos of the world. And some of you maybe might do that by taking some time to read the Bible. Some of you might take time to listen to stories, to to speak to people around you. Some of you might do that from listening to worship music, from singing. Some of you might do that through spending time in his creation. Find the way that helps you see your Father, see Father God. You can hang out with people there, his creation too. All of that points us to him and it's sprinkling water on the seed of joy that's inside of us to help it grow. It took just a single moment for that lady I told the story about earlier for God to put a highlighter on her and go, she saw who her father was in that moment. Remember that joy is inside you if you've given your yes to Jesus. It's this joy that creates the security of knowing that we are a son or daughter and we can come to him. You are God's son or daughter by legal right. He has given you the spirit and joy of his son, Jesus, the joy that Jesus carried. He wants to fill you with to the full. So who are you a child of this morning? Who are you a son of? Who are you a daughter of? And do you relate? Do you step into that? And do you want to take on that mantle? If you'd like to stand, I'd love to pray for you. I think there are some, some people here this morning who haven't yet taken that step, that cross over the line to say, yes, I want to be a son or daughter of God. They haven't given their yes to Jesus in that way. And so in this moment right now, I'd love to give us the opportunity to do that. So 
if we all shut our eyes just where we are, if you'd like to say your yes to Jesus for the first time this morning, say, yes, I want to be your son or your daughter. And please raise your hand right now. We're just going to pray a prayer together now. So just repeat after me. We'll do this together. Father God, I thank you that you're our dad. And I thank you that I can be a son or daughter, insert appropriately, to you. (laughs) And right now, I give my life to you. I say yes to you. And yes to the adventures that are to come, to the excitement to come. And yeah, bring it on, God. Thank you. (laughs) The adventures, the excitement. Yeah, good. Bring it on. Love it. Thank you. It's awesome. We've had two people just now put their hands up and say they want to give their yes to Jesus for the first time. We had two people recommit in the first service as well. So exciting. God's doing some amazing stuff at the moment. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.